Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Today's guest is someone whom I've had the pleasure of getting to know more during this time of self-isolation. Some may know him from his role with Onyx and the Los Angeles Band of Brothers. Others may just know him from his fun and sexy personality. Later on, we'll get into some hot topics, including fisting and scopophilia. Stick around if you want to find out what that word means. Everybody, this is Brandon, your Mr. Bullet Leather 2020, and today we have a special guest, Puck Onyx. Uh, Puck, would you mind introducing yourself and uh, maybe just tell us uh, your age, if you're comfortable with it, your gender and sexual orientation? Yeah, hi. Um, I am Puck Onyx. Um, I identify as he, him. I'm 42. I uh, was uh, Mr. SoCal Leather 2019, and I'm a current member of Onyx. I'm the uh, I'm the road captain for the Onyx SoCal Southwest chapter, and I'm also a member of the Los Angeles Band of Brothers, and I'm also a board member there as well in the communications. So, so that's a little bit about me. Nice. <laughs> you seem pretty involved. Uh, how long have you been a part of the leather community? You know, um, I've actually. Uh, I can consider myself kind of a late bloomer. Um, I went to Off Sunset um, just a couple of years ago, right before my 40th birthday. So um, literally this like next week would be like my two year anniversary that I would mark my coming out into the leather community. Two years next yeah. week. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> nice. I, I thought I was a late bloomer too. I, it's been maybe a little over two and a half years for me. Um, did that feel, uh, did you feel kind of rushed into when you were competing then? No. Um, honestly, um, coming into the community felt so natural to me. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, uh, you know, at Off Sunset, actually, that was actually the same day that I met uh, some of the guys from Onyx. They had a booth there that day, and they were so nice and just fun and just engaged and willing and, and, and they, you know, and they invited me out a couple of weeks to their, you know, to what is the beer bus that um, I'm part of uh, putting together every month now. And um, I had such a great time. It just felt like, damn, like where has this been my whole life? And I just dove in all the way. So I just want to know, cause you, you, you said you meant you went to off sunset. How did you even figure out to, to go to off sunset or, or was that your first experience with leather? Did you have an experience before that kind of got you into it? Um, th- that particular year, um, I have another friend of mine. He, 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 uh, the member of the, you know, the queer space, he goes, you know, he tends to go to like Austin Hoff and all these other types of uh-huh. parties that are in LA and, and he, he knew about. The, the the festival and he's like hey let's go to that so so that's so what we did and then that's really uh what opened my eyes uh to the community nice so what was the first thing that you saw that like got you aroused where you're like hmm maybe this is for me well <laughs> well obviously aside from a lot of it you know aside from seeing you know a lot of high guys walking around in leather um uh you know there's a house close by to where off sunset is and they have all kinds of you know uh, they have a, they have a fun party there every every year, and I got to experience that, and I was like, wow, is this is this what this community is? <laughs> is, is? Is this all the fun stuff we get to do? And and that, so of course it led me to want to explore a little bit more. Um, but you did ask a question earlier about was this my 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 first experience? And no, it wasn't actually. Um, probably almost ten years ago, if not even longer than that, um, I went to my first Folsom in two thousand eight. You're talking about the Folsom in San Francisco? 
Correct, yeah. And I did used to do that every year, um, practically, when I lived in the Bay Area. Um, it was one of those things that, oh, you know, it's wholesome, go to that. So I was part of that wholesome crowd that was what leather folk call the spectator crowd that comes out once a year, <laughs> uh, to, you know, to kind of check wholesome out. And um, while in San Francisco, I mean, I did that. I, I went to Doria a couple of times, but honestly, uh, I remember going to the San Francisco Eagle, um, you know, this, again, it might have been 2010, 2009. And, you know, I just didn't feel very welcome at the time. And mm-hmm. as a result, I just, I just backed away. I, I didn't really have an entry point. Um, other than going to Folsom with other non-other people. So, right. you know, so I never really had that outlet until meeting the guys at Onyx that day um, at Off Sunset at the booth that were so welcoming and, and made me not be able to resist coming back. So that was it. So I'm, really I'm curious, uh, the, you said you didn't really feel maybe like you fit in or that welcome over at the SF Eagle. May I ask why? Well, I mean, I think uh, especially at that time, I, I I wasn't nearly as confident for sure, um, as, you know, as I am now. Um, right. I do re- I do remember going in there and and not uh, experiencing anyone saying hi, you know, trying to do you know you know the common, you know, when you look at somebody and you try to start something or you try to make a connection, like nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, uh, you know, from a racial perspective, even feeling slightly. Um, not welcomed, even by even by persons of my own race, um, in, in 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 a lot of those spaces. Um, so yeah, I mean, it only takes one or two experiences like that um, for you to kind of say, well, you know, maybe this is this isn't for me. And you know, I lived in Oakland, not San Francisco, so you know, I had spaces in Oakland to go to. So I just continued on my merry way and just did yeah. what I did in Oakland, and that was it. Yeah. The the reason I ask that is because I, I think a lot of people will feel like that uh, when they first come into it. You might think that like maybe you're not masculine enough or you're not you know white enough or or whatever. I think there is a lot of like the white male culture still in uh, in the leather community. Not as much as it has been before. It's it's moving in different directions now. But um, do you do you see that being a problem these days? You know, honestly, I could. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, um, I did go to the the Eagle LA probably, God, maybe 2014, 2015 mm-hmm. once. And I think it must have been on a meat rack night. I think it was a Saturday. Yeah. Um, it was super crowded. And um, yeah, I never went back at all. <laughs> until, until, like I said, until I met the guys at Onyx, right? And, 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 yeah. and again, it kind of to your point, right? To your point, it was like, wow, there's a Latino guy here. Um, there, there, there are black men here. Uh, you know, there's an Asian man here. And wow, like, I didn't know we did this. Yeah. Y- you know? And <laughs> so I think that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's how I felt, too. I, I was a little intimidated, mainly because I didn't think I was masculine enough. But at the same time, like, you don't realize it until you, like, find yourself in in a space where you're like, oh, wow. I'm the only Mexican here, or I'm, I'm the only, I'm like one of two black people here or whatever it is. Uh, I, I kind of felt like that, but you know, the, the greatest thing is like, once you get into it from my experience, at least most of the people in the leather community have been very welcoming. And uh, if you do find the courage to strike, strike up a, a conversation, um, it's just been my experience that people tend to open up really quickly. Yeah. I mean, I definitely believe that, um, you know, you know, since I've been in the community, obviously, um, you know, being with Onyx and then interfacing with other, other groups, um, within our LA leather space, um, you certainly find the openness and the welcoming, uh, attitudes and welcoming, um, you know, people want to share stories. People want to talk about their experiences. People want to, um, teach you about the community. And I've kind of made that something that, uh, I try to do as well going forward. Um, you know, certainly on the days that we have our Onyx event um, at, at the Eagle, where, where there tend to be um, slightly more POCs uh, than on a normal Sunday. Um, but even if it's not an Onyx event, like if I see, you know, like a black I might have looked 10 years ago, you know, I try to go over and say hi to him at least, you know, and, um, you know, see maybe where he's from or, you know, or something to kind of at least make him feel like, you know, hey, you know, somebody acknowledge me here you know Uh, right and you you know uh i'm curious i remember getting like a 
like a total hard on when I first put on like my harness. Like I, I felt super powerful and super sexy. Do you remember your first piece of leather? Yes. My very first piece of leather that I ever owned, um, I can't remember the name of the shop in San Francisco. I don't think it's there anymore. Uh, it's kind of close to the Castro, and I bought a very typical, you know, the X-style harness. Um, mm-hmm. I still have it, actually. Um, <laughs> I've worn it. I don't really wear it out very often, but I did wear it um, uh, at LA Leather last year, I think I did. I, I either wore it for my SoCal interview or my LA Leather interview uh-huh. um, as a kind of a symbol of, like, my first piece of leather that got me here. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I still have it. That's awesome. And was were you scared to put it on at first, like, and be out in front of people? No, I actually b- bought that harness to go to Folsom, and I feel like that might have been my second Folsom. So I, so I think I kind of knew. Oh, I should have this. Right. So, <laughs> so, so I went and got one, and I just put it on, and you know, and it fit okay. It didn't fit great. It still doesn't fit great. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but, but I thought I was just doing the thing, you know. And, right. And, uh, and I really enjoyed looking at men in it. <laughs> That's so, hot. You seem pretty yeah. courageous. <laughs> um, so, what made you want to run for a title so soon into the community? You say you felt felt kind of natural coming into it, uh, but not everybody runs for a title. Yeah, it was kind of interesting how that all happened. Um, I, I had no real connection with what leather titles were. I knew. Um, within the first couple of months of being in the community that there were uh, these individuals that were titled. Um, I didn't know how they got them. I didn't know what it took or anything. Hmm. And then um, that fall, um, so this is like a few months after uh, Off Sunset, um, someone had approached me about running for uh, one of the titles. And I'm thinking, why? Like, I'm brand new. Like, what do I know? (laughs) You know, like, how can I possibly run for a title? Uh, and I almost did it, and I pulled out at the last moment. Um, one, not, one feeling like I just wasn't really worthy or didn't really know enough to to compete yet. And um, but it got me interested, mm-hmm. and um, I went to that competition. Um, it was the first one of the year. Um, and I went to that competition. I watched it, I, and I became very observant. And I started to attend every other title comp- competition. Um, that occurred. And I was like, you know, I'm running for a title. <laughs> and um, I'm running for a title and I would like to win a title and I would like to do something, you know, with the title. And uh, yeah, well, and well, that happened. So so what, what was so appealing to you to, to winning the title? Was it just for yourself or, or did you want to do something with it? Or what was your motivation? You know, I think that's something that it, I'm sure a lot of other title holders may feel something similar to this as well, is that um, your 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 motives and your uh, what drives you to run for the title, uh, it kind of changes Yeah. Um, over time, right? Definitely. So like when I first thought about running, you know, a lot of it to me was, fuck, I've never been on stage before. Like, I've always been afraid to speak in public before. Like, this is going to push me to do something. This right. is going to, like, push me to do something I've never done. This is going to push me to try to accomplish something that's going to make me a better person later. Um, and then as you start to understand what titles are about, you start to figure out, well, how do I integrate, like, what I can build for myself? And then how can I push out this, what I've received from the community? How can I push it out as a service to the community? Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I definitely felt the same way. Uh, like you said, it kind of changes. Um, like the the Mr. Bullet Leather competition for me was really just kind of like the next step in my journey. I didn't think, well, I didn't expect to win. I just ran um, really for myself. Um, and then when you win, a lot of those things change like now you're 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 in you have a platform and you have to decide how you're going to use that platform um i saw that you were involved with uh several organizations and uh you were raising money for different charities could you talk about that a little bit yeah um there were a couple of uh different organizations i i worked with um uh you know kind of to your point um you know you get this platform and you're trying to figure out well what do you do with it and 
you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I wanted to do was, uh, was to promote service and, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of understanding what the history of titles were was that, you know, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of hands-on community service that, that, that used to happen. Um, and I thought uh, working with the food bank uh, was really important because, one, hunger affects everybody. Um, not just, you know, the leather community, right? right. It, it impacts everybody. And also, but it, it, in, in that it does affect everybody, it is disproportionate in the fact that it is more black and brown folks, more yeah. um, LGBT folks, more trans folks, more, you know, there's a lot of, of the marginalized communities that, that certainly fall into that category of, of um, uh, uh, I don't want to say starving, but, like, you know, not having enough to eat, you know? And I thought this was a place that, it would, it would be good to get people to be able to volunteer. They have a very easy sign-up process, um, you know, and, and you can just get people to come together and work together and have kind of a fun day. I mean, it's work, but it's actually fun work. And people usually, in my experience, is, you know, I've been four or five times now um, just since the title, you right. know, and, and I realized that people have a really good time um, working there too. So it's actually really good. Um, you know, it's a good experience, and hopefully it inspires other people um, to want to get out and do some type of community services. And I always kind of have always thought that there's a lot of people that would like to get involved in community service, but without, you know, that push or that little um, catalyst to kind of get them out uh, to do it, they, that, 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 um, so that was what I was really looking to do is just to get people out and, uh, you know, see each other work together, that type of thing. And then later on that year, um, I did want to pivot towards, you know, something that was a little bit more, uh, community specific, and I know that uh, 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 Mr. Uh, Long Beach Elder 2018, he had done a little bit of uh, fundraising for the SoCal Club, um, which is a uh, division of the Men's Health Foundation. They do a lot of uh, youth uh, youth community uh, work with uh, black and brown youth in South LA, and um, so I got involved with them a little bit, and I did a um, I did a lecture there, and then I did a like a mini fundraiser uh, towards their um, their STI testing program. They had launched an STI testing program sometime during the early and middle part of 2019. So, um, you know, I talked to them about you know trying to get a little bit uh, of fundraising going on and making sure that that money went directly to that program because it went, you know, because it's a testing program right in the heart of South LA, you know, right where there's a you know there's a lot of people that need access to things like that. So. Um, that was something that was really important uh, important to me. That's really awesome. It sounds like you've done a lot of things to kind of bring people together in the community. And I think that's definitely what, uh, like, a title holder could could use their platform to be, really. Um, I, I, when, you, when you first got uh, the title, did people come up to you and start telling you <laughs> what they wanted to, to see in, in your title year? Because people started doing that to me, and I was like, "Whoa, uh, hold on! Like, I just got here." <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you know, it's, uh, now that you say that, um, I've heard so many stories uh, that uh, you know. I'm sure, I'm sure you, you've got the same types of talks. You know, uh, stories about you know people are going to start asking you for things, or people are going are, are gonna to start saying that uh, you know you're that you should have an opinion on something. Or, or whatever. I didn't really have that experience, actually. I just oh. did the thing. And yeah, I, I just, that sounds great. I, I just, I just, I just ran out of the gate and did the thing. Um, you know, kind of like talking about, uh, you know, bringing people together. I mean, I think a lot of it is just, just having, just showing what you say you're going to do um, by acting on it. Like, you know, one of the things that I think that, um, you know, people always say um, in interviews or in speeches and things of that nature. They always talk about inclusion and all of these things. And, and, and to me, it was like, okay, you know, that's a great word to use, but how do you actually do it? And I mean, <laughs> at my first event um, that, I, that I had, um, it was called, um, wow, I can't remember what my first event was called. Uh, <laughs> it, was a salute to, it was a salute to the armpit and a magenta flag, though. Right, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was that. And but but the thing is, is that when you put on an event, it's all of the programming. So to me, you know, to me, I, I I was very conscious about, you know, I want to bring people together. I want to make sure everyone is actually included. So, um, you know, on all my stage scenes, you know, I had a couple. I had uh, I think two trans males do you know do stage scenes. I had a female 
person. I had, you know, three cis males, you know, in stage scenes. I had a female boot black. I wanted to make sure that, hey, everybody is here. This is a Sunday. This is a Sunday beer buzz. We're all supposed to be together. Um, so, so have programming that reflects that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important um, to do. And I think that's important for people to understand that, you know, that when you actually say the word inclusion, that, you know, it's not just a buzzword. You have to actually do it. You have to actually act on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, so, it is really easy to just say that and, and, and to, you know, maybe get points on your speech and, and get people excited about it, but actually doing it is another thing. And I like that you really implemented that and put something behind it. And uh, definitely, I think we need more people like that in the community that are actually making inclusion happen, because I definitely think that's like the future of the leather community is like inclusion and diversity. And if you just look at the the, the current LAL title holder and the, uh, the, the current IML title holder, uh, both trans men, I think that was when I saw that, I thought that was groundbreaking, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh... I had the you know the the, the the fortune of competing with Elliot last year and getting to know uh, Elliot was uh, was life changing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, the, the fact that he won was 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 great. The fact that Jack followed followed up with a win was also fantastic. Um, you know, I, it, it definitely speaks to you know how the community um, is bending towards I, don't, I wouldn't say that the community is there yet all the way but certainly um the fact that the community is bending towards full inclusion and recognition i think is really important definitely uh so did, did you go to iml also so no i have not been to iml yet however uh for this year coming up uh i have uh put my uh 2019 so-called title into that uh into the ring for that so I am planning to compete this year, whenever that is. Obviously, we're dealing with, um, you know, this COVID crisis right now, so the whole world has been postponed. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the competition yeah. was supposed to happen next week for Los Angeles, and uh, when when was International Mister Leather supposed to happen? Yeah, so that's typically uh, on Memorial Day weekend um, in Chicago. So uh, so obviously, with everything that's going on, that's been postpone uh, a date has yet to be um, determined yet. I mean, I think they're thinking, you know, sometime in the fall. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's um, you know, uh, creating a lot of anxiety amongst all of the, all of the competitors. I mean, you know, the, you know for us, for the IML competitors, they have, you know, they have like, um, you know, forums for, for us to communicate and talk and whatnot. And, and um, you know, I think, you know, I think a lot of us are all feeling the same kind of, you know, it's going to happen eventually. You know, let's turn this into a positive, and we're going to have this great bonding experience while we're waiting. And that's actually what we're doing every day. Every day we check on each other, seeing how each other is doing. You know, obviously we have people from, you know, many different countries, particularly uh, from Europe where they uh, got hit with this mm-hmm. uh, corona crisis a little bit earlier than we did. And, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's been a really good experience in bonding with them. So. So whenever IML does happen, you know, I, I, it's going to be a an IML where we have all been through something kind of tragic, <laughs> you know, in the process of getting there. And we've had to talk to each other and actually bond on a level that's something other than, you know, hey, we're all just going to IML in May. I mean, we're actually living our lives through this mm-hmm. and um, we're doing it together. So it's been it's it's been really great. That it is really exciting. I mean, not exciting, but it is really great that like we're we're finally like are coming together. There's people that I've talked to in Europe and around Los Angeles just on the internet because I'm like sitting at home doing absolutely nothing and just like going through Facebook and liking things and talking to people. And it does feel like the whole leather community is like doing something together as a whole. And when we go to those competitions, uh, like the Los Angeles Leather IML, you really really get that that feeling I think of like, wow, we just accomplished something great together. Like whoever wins the title at this point, it almost doesn't matter because of how far we've come together as a whole. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And, and, and one of the things I, I guess I was hopeful for the, you know, for the 2020 LAL class as well, was that you all would also be able to use this time to do something similar and, and hopefully bond on another level. I'm abs- yeah, I'm I'm getting a lot of time to talk to all of my class, and uh, it, it's really interesting because now we have more time to to get to know each other. 
Exactly. It's really important um, to do that and then obviously carry your relationship forward, especially since we're all here in Los Angeles. So, you know, you're going to be able to have those relationships for, you know, forever going forward. So certainly make, you know, make the best of that. Yeah, definitely. So I'm I'm curious. You mentioned some uh some hanky colors earlier. You you had a magenta going on. What what are your other hanky codes? <laughs> um. So so uh, I am absolutely absolutely like by far like if I had to pick one hanky and only have one hanky the rest of my life, only get to practice one hanky the rest of my life, it would definitely be the red one. Ooh, <laughs> the, red, the red one. The red one on the left, though, not the right. <laughs> oh, on the, you've never done had it on the right before. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> not, I, I don't. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm that flexible. But I mean, but, <laughs> but however, um, you know, uh, being being a top in in uh, you know in the fisting world, I mean, it definitely requires a lot of. Uh, you know, the reason why it's my, actually my favorite one is that because even in general, I mean, you know, with vanilla sex, you know, I'm, I tend to be very, very sensual and very, um, very intimate. And to me, you know, to me, fixing is one of the most intimate experiences that you can ever really have with a man. Um, you know, the, the communication that, that's that's required, uh, you know, most of it nonverbal, most of it mm-hmm. not even with body, some, some of it not even with body language. A lot of it is just your sensing what someone is feeling as you're, you know, pushing in, <laughs> so to speak. So, so it's, you know, so it's not even necessarily even voluntary body language that you're yeah, getting. Yeah. Some of it is, you know, just, just reactions and, and just what they're feeling. And you have to so in tune with that person to provide them with that level of pleasure. Um, you know, to me, it's, it's 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 definitely a skill. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, speaking of sensitivity, I, I can feel you getting harder over there right now on the other side of the phone. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I get a little bit of pleasure out of talking about it. <laughs> All right, so I just got to ask: Can you tell us about your first experience fisting? How did that? How did that even come about? <laughs> Well, yeah, there's going to be an interesting story to this one. So um, this was probably uh, got about 10 years ago, and I, I didn't know anything about this thing at that time. I mean, I, I might have seen it, you know, in a couple of videos. I didn't really understand what it was. I mean, it looked interesting. Um, but I had this um, this guy that I used to uh, chat with on Grinder, and we used to hook up a few, t- you know, hook up here and there. He lived in my apartment complex, mm-hmm. and then one day, all of a sudden, he was he was saying, you know, he was like, "I got something I'm going to ask you," and I was like, "Well, okay, what?" And he said, "Well, I would like you to fist me," and I was like, "Hmm, okay." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "You know, I'll do it," you know. But the thing was, you know, it was interesting, was because um, was because. Uh, I didn't really know like what to get or what to do. Like the the first thing I thought of was, um, hmm. Well, I've heard this thing about Crisco. Should I buy that? Right. <laughs> and it was funny because I asked him what I should get, and he was an immigrant, so he didn't really have like you know like J Lube and stuff like that. So right. He was just like, oh. So when I said, should I just get Crisco? And he was like, yeah, that's fine. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so that's what I did. So I so I so I pranced on down to Whole Foods and got the most organic. <laughs> That free version of Crisco that I could get. I got the whole fruit, whole food shortening, and um, yeah, so we so we used that and it worked and it was really cool. And you know, the first attempt, like you know, it, it, you know so how long did it take I, to get like full fist in? Um, he had so he had been fisted before, but it had been a long time for him. Uh-huh. But he, I, I want to say, it was it was maybe within an hour and a half. Okay. Hour, hour and a half maybe yeah the reason um, why then, yeah. i wanted to ask that was because i like for all of you beginner fisting tops out there it takes time to stretch an asshole to the size of your fist like don't just try to shove it in please <laughs> you know <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. uh you don't want to yeah. tear it in. but you know it's all part of the journey i think that's part of the pleasure in it is like getting getting to that point together like uh, just the intimacy of it yeah, seriously. I mean, I, and I, like I said, I think for me, uh, it comes uh, comes really naturally anyway, just because, 
you know, when you're when you're intentionally um, sensual and and, you, and you're trying to truly be in tune with what a person you know is feeling, you know, you're gonna know that you can't go two, three, four, five fingers. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're gonna you're, you're gonna be very concerned about how that person's feeling. You want to make sure that that person's feeling what they want to be feeling or what they should be feeling. And um, in doing that, I remember, you know, even in that experience being my first time, like, you know, I knew not to just shove it in, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and we worked together and, you know, he had a good experience and then we ended up doing that several more times for, you know, for about another year or so. And then, and then that was about it. And then, you know, like I said, at that point, I wasn't really within the community. So I didn't really have an outlet uh, to, you know, experience it again, really. So I didn't, uh -huh really have, have other experiences with that for several years after I think I was already had already moved to LA by the time I got to experience it the second time. So did you grow up in Oakland or did you just live there before? So yeah, so I uh, originally am from the DC area. I, I was basically like a kid in elementary school and then then uh, then I got dragged to Florida kicking and screaming when I was 13 years old. <laughs> So I basically went to high school, became an adult in Florida, went to school in Florida, and then as soon as I could escape that place, I <laughs> I moved out west. But I didn't get to California. Like, I knew I wanted to move to California. Um, I got to come out here on a vacation. I went to San Francisco. I think I was probably 21, 22, and knew that there was something different about living in California. So um, I said, I'm moving there. So um, after graduating college, I, I was probably 24 started looking for jobs and um, I was with the company that naturally that uh, luckily had offices you know all up and down the west coast um, and in the uh, the Rocky Mountain state so I ended up getting a um, getting a position in Tucson Arizona of all places so I moved from Florida to Tucson Arizona I figured you know what that's like five six of the yeah. way to California that's Closer. good enough yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what happened so that's kind of what that's what pushed me out west and then I just hopped around from city to city trying to find where I was going to land and, and, I, and then I ended up in Oakland and I lived there for five years six years uh, before coming to LA nice and what is your experience from Oakland to LA do you call LA home or or do you not like LA in comparison to the northern California how, how do you feel about that well, you know, I'm sure, as most people know, there's always this perceived rivalry between Northern Cal yeah. and Southern Cal. I, mean, I think the Northern Cal people make a bigger deal of it than the Southern Cal people do because, <laughs> you know, because, uh, you know, I think it's Southern Cal, it, it's, you know, it's bigger, it's where everything is. So if you live in LA, do you even really think about San Francisco that much? Not really. I mean, so when you're in San Francisco, you certainly think about LA all the time, right? Right, <laughs> so, I guess so. You know, <laughs> Yeah, I think in L.A. it's all about L.A. versus New York. You know, it's not really L.A. versus San Francisco. So. You're right. It's it's, um, its own thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, do I? Yeah, I do call L.A. home. I've been here for almost seven years. Um, I don't have any plans to leave. I'll probably be here for however long it is. <laughs> and um, and yeah, I, I do I do enjoy living here. I, I you know compared to Northern California, you know the weather's better. You can be outside more. You know, there's more things to do. Um, you know, so I've always, you know, after I had been in L.A. for a year, I, I knew that at that point that I liked it more than Northern Cal. So. Yeah, I think a lot of people fall in love with Los Angeles when they move here finally, uh, especially New Yorkers. When they come here, like, oh, Los Angeles. And either you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. And usually once you see that we have, like, amazing weather almost 100% of the time, uh, people stick around for a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you're talking about work, you're talking about family. How does that balance out with your kink life? Are they integrated? Are they separate? Well, um, one of the things that I guess I had done uh, starting a couple of years even before I got into leather, uh, the leather space was working on um, being more authentic with who I was and, and being more in tune with just being myself regardless. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, as I've gotten more into the leather space, um, I don't really hide that much. Um, I don't necessarily share everything, but I don't hide anything, um, really. Uh, you know, like, I can talk to my mom about, you know, my title and what we do and, like, my organization and things like that. Um, and, and she gets it, and it's cool, you know. Uh, so I'm able to kind of share some of that stuff. Um, I do everything on one Facebook page and one Instagram account. I am a, poor, I am a terrible administrator when it comes to social media. <laughs> so, therefore, I do not want to have two pages. 
uh, <laughs> of any kind. I mean, it was it was hard enough having my title page plus my plus my regular page. So, I mean, it took us you know. fifteen minutes to get you to figure out how to use your computer <laughs> at home to get here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm at that age where there's technology, and I got off the bus about five years ago. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome that you, that you're able to to integrate that. Uh, so when you're stuck at home, right? Are you going out to work? Or are you staying in, inside right now because of the coronavirus? Well, I, so currently I do work um, uh, at a hospital, so. Oh, I see. Uh, you know, since hospitals are open, obviously, um, I'm one of the lucky ones that still gets to go to work and still gets to um, get paid. Because unfortunately, a lot of our our friends that work in bars and entertainment venues and hotels and you know all of the the gamut of industries that are impacted by this. Um, so I am still working. Um, I think they are talking about you know sending you know non healthcare direct healthcare people. Mm-hmm. Um, to have them work at home. So I think that's something that's happening in the next week or two um, as things accelerate around here. You know, I might be working from home, um, but we'll see what, see how that is. Either way, I don't mind going, you know, even with everything that's happening right now. Um, right. You know, so. All right. So how are you handling the, uh, the no hookup uh, phase of the coronavirus at home? Well, you know, honestly, I mean, this is... You know, I, I I like to think that I that I took this uh, this scenario that we've been faced with, you know, mm-hmm. rather seriously. Um, uh, I want to say it was a couple of Fridays ago. You know, I guess for reference, I would have been like March thirteenth. I, you know, went to the Eagle, and I remember when I left, I said, you know, this might be the last time I come in here for a while. Um, yeah. And it's been it's been you know it's been kind of difficult. I mean, I you know I do have a partner, and you know we hung out last weekend, and then. Um, you know, we both have our different coping uh, coping mechanisms, and I know he wanted to isolate, and I'm, you know, isolating. So he's isolating at his home, and I'm isolating at my home. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been kind of difficult. I mean, other than going to work and uh, you know getting out in the evenings to you know try to get a run in or something like that, you know, it's been you know truly the self isolation that they're telling you to do but i feel like you know we've got to do this right now i mean we just we just have to um i wish everybody was doing it <laughs> yeah but um but yeah yeah it was definitely a big um adjustment i think uh i'm used to going out almost every night uh to the bullet or the eagle um and i remember going the last night before they closed the bars, it, I think it was like nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night or something. And the mayor announced that we were going to close all the bars at 12 midnight. And I immediately got in full leather and went out to the bullet. And I was like, this might be the last chance that I have to go out for a long time. And uh, I came home and like something just came over me where I just started, I just broke down like mentally and just started sobbing. Cause I was like, I can't believe it's come to this. Like we can't even go out just to see each other. Like you don't realize like how important it is to, to be around each other and to be there for each other physically until you can't do it anymore. Uh, Yeah. I I mean, I agree with that fully. I mean, and I think most of us have all experienced this, um, the different phases of of this event. Right. Mm -hmm. I think we all were in a point of, well, you know, it's far away, you know, it's affecting other places, you know, it's, it's nothing for us to worry about. And then we start seeing it ha- start seeing it hit in Europe, and then it's like, well, wait a minute, you know, it's Europe, you know, that's like, yeah. that's, we, we, we relate to Europe. I mean, Europe is like the U.S. in many, many, many ways, right? So we relate to that. And then it's like, damn. Um, and then that night that you're talking about, you know, uh, I think we all, you know, I had a similar reaction. I wasn't out that night because um, I think I'd already kind of faced the fact that going out maybe wasn't the best for mm-hmm. me anymore. But I, um, you know, went into fear. You know, I think uh, a lot of us kind of are in this fear shock mode. And then um, and then the next day, you know, there was a period of acceptance. And then for me, the day after that, um, there was a kind of a, well, maybe there's something that I can do. Uh, because I know that, you know, to your point, like I'm used to being out all the time. I'm used to doing stuff. I'm used to doing some type of volunteering of something, even if it's just working a door for an event, 
telling mm-hmm. jealous something like doing something I'm doing something and um that's kind of what led me to you know put together the um the LA leather covid assistance page that that's out there now um that actually started with a conversation with my my title sponsor I know he's a you know he's an older male and I know he's had you know some uh, you know respiratory issues before and I remember as this was coming, I, you know, I talked to him and, you know, we were just chatting back and forth over Messenger. And I was like, well, if there's anything I can do for you, you know, let me know. And then after that happened and I started connecting everything, it was like, you know, well, what, what about all the other people? Yeah. Um, what, if there, what, if they, what if there's people out there that not have somebody to go get them groceries when things get bad? Or maybe, maybe they can't, you know, take their pet even, for, you know, on a walk, you know. Because things are so bad outside, right? You know, so that's what I that so that's that's what kind of drove me to put together that page. You know, it was like, let me try to put together people that are that might be a little less susceptible that can maybe go out to the grocery store or do you know basic errands that really may have to truly be isolated for several weeks now, um, because you know if you have asthma or COPD or a history of bronchitis or susceptible to pneumonia, I mean, this is definitely something that yeah, you have to take you know, that you seriously. Want to be exposed to so we. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I put your, I've actually linked that page in the description, even back to the first podcast episode. So uh, those of you that are listening, if you look in the description, the link will actually be there um, for you. And are you still looking for volunteers? How many people are involved so far with that organization that you've put together? Um, so, so far, I want to say, I'm trying to think of the people that have joined, probably between 50 and 20 are people that um, I believe would uh, be of the volunteer space. Um, and, you know, and for right now, for, for the LA leather community, uh, I think that's probably enough right now. I mean, I think mm-hmm. what's going to end up happening ultimately is that if this does pick up, if this does become more severe, I mean, there's going to be, you know, the way our community is, people will step up even in greater numbers. Um, and how do happens. we, uh, what, what is, can you tell us the title of your, of your organization? What, what is it called? Um, it's Los Angeles Leather COVID nineteen Assist. Okay, awesome. And that is a that is a group that is a group on Facebook. Awesome, yeah. And I'll have a link for that at the bottom as well. Well, that's that's really amazing. So you're what I love from what I'm hearing from you so far, um, and I have to say that this interview is um, really individual. Every individual, every podcast interview I do is always different than the last. Everybody has a thing, but you really speak to uh, the point that being in the leather community is more than just about kink and sex. It's about coming together, and like you have been a true example of that. And your first thought with this whole COVID nineteen nineteen thing was like, how can I put something together to help us move forward and push through this? Um, and I really respect that about you. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it, it, like, like I said, I, you know, a lot of people are really scared, and you know, it's it's this is becoming a reality. And that, like mm-hmm. I said, it was just one of those things where it's like, well, you know, I'm scared too, but how do I do something? How can I contribute to to something? And you know, that was one of the first things like I thought of because I know that there's so many people out there that want to be involved and they want to help, but sometimes mm-hmm. a lot of those people they just need a catalyst. It's kind of like with the food bank. It's the same thing. Like, right. you know, there's a lot of people that want to help, but when you get, when you give them that, that when you pave that way for them to come, they come. Right. <laughs> but, but somebody has to pay this for them. So, um, so that's it. So it sounds like you are, you've already described, you know, some of the organizations that you're a part of and, and, and you've talked a little bit about the COVID assist. I know you're a part of Onyx um, and I've actually had Chad Onyx on uh this podcast before, but I want to know what is your experience with Onyx? Uh, what makes it so special to you, and and uh, what does it stand for for you? Well, I mean, for me in particular, um, you know, Onyx was the first group that I felt very welcome in. Um, there is a level of uh, it's it's there's something really different about having a, an organization, you know, trying to create a space. Uh, for uh, men that are, you know, people of color that uh, really strive to um, help empower us to explore ourselves and to be ourselves, Mm -hmm. Um, to be a group where we can learn from each other, from people that look like us, Um, to see, um, you know, the love that comes 
from being a brother, uh, not just here in LA, but also nationally. Um, you know, actually, you know, I know you mentioned that you had Chad on here. You know, Chad is one of my, one of the people I look to, you know, as a mentor in many ways. You know, I, you know, I talk to him very regularly about, you know, about, about most of what I do in the community. Um, and, um, yeah, it, it's just been a phenomenal experience um, growing with them. Um, you know, when, I, when you first join, I mean, obviously there's, you know, there's a process. And through that process, you actually learn a lot um, about, uh, protocols and a little bit of leather history and and a little bit about what it is to be leather before you join. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the that's one of the reasons why I think too. You know, I became you know a little bit. I think I was a little bit. Um, lo- it was a little quicker for me to become. You know, I don't want to say title ready, but I had a little bit more education than I think maybe someone that just kind of came into the community and didn't have any experience or any connections. You know, might have gotten. Um, but the, so the education is there, like, you know, they teach you about, you know, what is, uh, you know, uh, safe, sane, and consensual, what does that mean? You know, they teach you about, you know, polar, you know, the pillars of brotherhood, like, what does brotherhood mean? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so, you know, what is the old guard? You know, what is, um, you know, the, just a lot of, around the history um, that, that comes with leather, um, you know, it, it, it's taught to you, you know, as you're going through the pledge process. So. Um, I learned a lot um, from them. Um, I continue to learn a lot from my brothers. I continue to enjoy, you know, putting together a monthly event at the Eagle um, where we do, uh, you know, fundraising for so many organizations throughout Los Angeles. You know, I think, you know, usually every year we try to give to at least three or four or five organizations, Um, you know, some, 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 you know, some nice donations to them that, you know, shows our appreciation to the community. Um, typically, those organizations are um, persons of color oriented, and they deal with HIV, mm-hmm. um, HIV testing, HIV education, HIV, some, you know, something to that effect. Um, so I think, to me, it, it's important to stand for something, and it's, and it's really nice to uh, be part of an organization that really stands for that. Yeah, I really appreciate that, that you, you say, that, you know, that Onyx helped educate you through that um, that's really what what got me going. I mean, obviously, when I first got into the leather community, it was mainly for because I was so, you know, horned up at the leather and the sex and all that going on. But then when you find out that it comes with a history, and I, the only reason I found out about that is is because you know I'm kind of a daddy's boy, so I go for the older guys, and I'd always you know, start striking up conversations with, with some of the older men. And that's where I started to get like little pieces of information, like the old guard, for example, and the brown leather versus black leather. And you start to like put all these pieces together and it's like, wow, like we really are, are part, a part of something that's like much, you know, it goes back, you know, plenty, like a number of years. Like this isn't something that's just like brand new and it's not just about like the kink and the sex and, but it's like you said, like the brotherhood and everything. And, that's really amazing to me to find out that Onyx really stands for that, like helping you be like an overall educated about the, the about the community itself. Yeah, and, and it's also like I said, it's also really important um, to you know to be a POC and know that you have a space because you know only up until recently, you know uh, you know persons of color weren't you know whether you were black or Latino or Asian, you yeah. definitely didn't feel like you had a space, you mm-hmm. know, and, you know, I've, I, you know, I know, um, you know, Onyx was founded, uh, this is actually our 25th year, so I think it was, 19, what is it, like, uh, that'd be 1995, founded in 95, and that was at a time when, you know, you would have, you know, three, four, five small, you know, in a small group in a corner in a bar trying to get, you know, trying to get served or try to, you know, trying to get space and, you know, not truly being welcomed in that space. And, um, you know, so it, it's, to have a group created just to create a space for us is is really important. Now, now obviously things have changed a little bit. You know, we we definitely have uh, have a seat. You know, what's the right word? Um, Chad, we definitely have. I would say a seat at the table. I was going to say a yeah. seat at the table. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I knew Chad. I knew Chad would probably say that. <laughs> but yeah, to try to have a space. Um, and, 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 you know, and things have changed, you know, quite quite a bit actually. Um, but there's still something to be said about, you know, being able to get into your own tribe and feeling comfortable um, experiencing something with somebody that's that's within your own tribe. Um, you know, like my first flogging, you know, was at the Eagle um, by Mr. Sanctuary uh, 19, and you know, to have him 
do, you know, give me that experience with something that I might not have done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it was someone that was uh, a non-POC. Um, and yeah. having him do that was, was very, was very comforting and, and, and he was very, you know, well, the experience was just fucking phenomenal. I mean, if you know Mr. Sanctuary in San Francisco, you know that he is very good at what he does. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, if you're listening, um, LAL brother, uh, after this COVID-19, I will be uh, tied up somewhere waiting for you to flog me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that would definitely be great. Yeah. No, but there was something to be said, though, to have th- those experiences, um, you know, you know, with, with some of my brothers and, and, the, and the, the, just to have those first conversations about, about, you know, about fisting with another person that looks like me. Yeah. Um, to, to talk about piss play with somebody that looked like me. To talk about, um, oh yeah, something we didn't really touch on. I mean, I discovered, you know, that I have a slight puppy side and that really was drawn out by talking with Onyx brothers that looked like me. Um, and, and is that, that just because you're really feeling safe race. to do that? Like safe to speak and, and explore that with somebody or you don't feel safe with somebody outside of Onyx or how, how do you, how are you thinking about that? Well, I don't think it's a matter of not necessarily feeling safe per se, mm-hmm. but I think that there's a, how do I say this? I think that there's kind of a stigma sometimes with, kink right i mean i think okay. you know you know you're you're coming from a latino uh point of point of view i'm coming from a, a black point of view and i know when i was growing up a lot of these things that we call kink or, or fetishes those were always looked at as oh that's just a white thing you're not supposed to do that and when you grow up hearing that stuff you start to build this kind of wall inside you like well i'm interested in that but i'm not supposed to do that Right. And when I heard people that looked like me that were interested in those same types of things, then you become, then it, then it feels safe. It does feel safe. So, it's like, so I guess it's not that it didn't feel safe, but I think it became, it, it became a welcoming space. I think uh, that a welcoming. Is, is I like that. Probably a better word mm-hmm. to use. Yeah, it's probably a, a better word to use because it's like, wow, you know, this gentleman looks like me, likes the same things. You know, he's certainly okay with it. And then it's not just him. It's, it's this guy and this, you know, that's to the right of me, and it's the guy to the left of me. He's also interested in it too, and he doesn't have an issue with it. So maybe it's okay that I like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes you just need to see people. That's it. I mean, yeah. and that's what makes things comfortable. And all of a sudden, guess what? You know, after I started seeing that there were other people that looked like me that were into fisting, guess what? I started finding holes as fast as I could. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> So, yeah, so I think that had a lot to that has a lot to do with it. Um, just being able to identify with people. So, if you could go back and give yourself advice before you you jumped into this, uh, would you have any advice to give yourself? You know what? If, if I could have gone back, um, you know, ten years to the first time I went to the San Francisco Eagle and, and could have found myself, you know, I, I, I would have told myself to just keep showing up. I think that's the biggest thing, and it's a, and that's the advice that I tell people now, uh, people that are new, people that express that they have an interest in what is leather. I always tell them, well, if you just come to the bar once and you don't really have like a lot of connections and you leave, then you know you're only going to get that little bit of experience. But if you keep coming, keep coming back, and you're a face that people see and then they recognize you as mm-hmm. one that keeps coming back, guess what? They're going to start talking to you. They're going to start saying, hey, you know, what's going on? You know, people, as you've said before in this, in, in this interview, you know, we are all, we're all pretty welcoming. We all like to talk. We like to share our information. We like to create that welcoming space for the next person, right? So that's really created by continuing to come back. You don't get that experience by doing internet searches and, and you know, looking at videos or whatever. I mean, you really have to experience it by going into a leather, you know, King BDSM space and experiencing the family environment that, that really exists there. That's what's going to keep you coming back. And once you do that, you know, get involved. You know, get involved in any way you know how. You know, whether it's just, you know, volunteering, you know, volunteering to, you know, to, to sit at the door, volunteering to, you know, be a, a, a demo bottom, you know, volunteering to sell jello shots, you know, and that's how people recognize you. 
And once people recognize you as someone that wants to really be involved and, they, and really wants to learn and truly wants to be what the community stands for, guess what? We suck you right in. Because we love that experience. Because, because, because if I know that that's what you want and, that, and that's mm -hmm. what you want to be a part of, that I want to make sure that you get to be a part of that, you know? And, you know, whether you stay or not, that's up to you. But, to, you know, to make sure that you have that experience before you walk away, you know, I'm definitely going to make sure that someone has that experience as much as possible. That's really great advice. And for new people, I, I do have one one other uh, little hint of advice, which I think I've mentioned before on previous episodes, but uh, to... When you see something that maybe freaks you out a little bit, try to not uh, yuck in somebody's yum in front of them uh, because that will uh, get you <laughs> some negative energy. When you do show up, tr do your best to be respectful. You know, can I add to that? Um, sure. You know, yucking someone's yum is, def is one of the phrases that I learned um, you know, pretty, pretty early into the, into the space. And one of the things that I, that I, that I did pretty quickly, especially once um, I had a title was I need to learn about all of these things. Mm -hmm. It might be, you know, there, there might be something that's not for me, but when I see it, I want to know what it is. Right. You know, I want to watch, I want to actually find out what is that dynamic? What is happening? What is the bottom getting out of it? What is the top getting out of it? You know, just to understand. Because if somebody else asks me about it later on, I might be able to, I can reply. Well, you know, that's not something that I'm necessarily into, but this is what it is. This is kind of what the dynamic is, and this is what they're getting out of it. Mm -hmm. And that way you can at least educate someone that might be next to you saying something negative about something, you know, versus not being able to give them a response and then they walk away and then they don't, haven't changed their opinion at all. <laughs> right. So that, that's part of the reason why the first episode I did was with Don Mike, because uh, I, I was trying to understand myself about the, the whole uh, pleasure uh, of being a pup, because that's not something that I've really been exposed to that much. I mean, I've seen it, uh, but I've never really asked anybody about it. So if you haven't listened to the first episode and you're listening to this one, go back and take a listen. You might find out that you, you know, have some pup tendencies. Like you were saying yourself, you have a little pup in you. You know what's really interesting about that um, is that I didn't understand what pup play was. And um, one of my brothers pointed out to me one day, uh, one of my honest brothers, that is. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact situation, but I did, I did a motion where, like, I nosed my, I, like, I kind of forced my head between him and his partner. Mm -hmm. Because I was standing behind them and their backs were to me, and I wanted to be noticed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like I like nudged my head between them, and you know, and so 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 one of the guys looked at me. He's like, you know what? I think you have pup tendencies. Like between this and some other things you've done, you have pup tendencies. And I was like, what is that? You know what I mean? And and then it kind of sparks this thought of like, what is that? And then of course you explore it and you ask questions and you you know go to a puppy mosh or. You know, you meet other people that are puppies, and you start asking questions, and you realize, wow, shit, I am like a puppy. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so yeah, a lot of it is just being open-minded because there's a lot of things that are inside of you that um, that you just don't know that are there. And if you don't explore them or you shut them down very quickly, you you may miss out on a, a big part of who you are. So I guess that would be your advice to new people: that just be open. Yeah, that's it. One word, actually. You just summed all this, whole, this whole 30 minutes up in like, this whole 30 minutes, you did it in one word. Well, I mean, everything you're saying is so powerful, and uh, I'm glad that I met you. I I wish I knew you when I first got into the community, but I was just trying to find my way, you know, and I, I still am in many ways finding finding my way, but getting to talk to people like yourself, getting to know my LEL brothers and stuff, it really definitely it gives me a space, like you said, and I, I call I call the bullet bar my home because that's really where I found myself. Absolutely. Oh yeah, I can totally relate. I mean, just like you call the bullet, um, you know, your home. I mean, I I call the Eagle LA my my bar or my home and my bar as well. You know, it's, it's the home bar of, of, of Onyx Southwest, and you know, the first place that I got my first flogging, my you know, off sunset was right there. Like everything started for me there. So yeah, 
it's very similar, very similar experience. Okay, I wanted to ask you uh, before we get going here. Uh, you have an event happening at the Bullet in July, potentially. Seeing we get through this, um, I yeah, I know. As, as we were sitting here talking about, you know, are there any upcoming events? It's like, well, um, no, because spring has been canceled. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it reminded me that I do have an event in July. July eleventh should be a Saturday. Okay. Um, at the Bullet. Um, it's called Scopophilia Part 2, uh, and it is going to be produced in conjunction with uh, Mr. Sanctuary Leather 2019 Francisco Perales. Uh, we did a uh, an edition of this uh, in last August, and it, and it went off really well. Um, and would you like to know what it is? Yeah, I definitely want to know what this is. So, <laughs> so this so this word Scopophilia, like where did this come from? We randomly we were searching up catchy names for, for an event. And we discovered this word. Well, actually what it was, was that the idea was around voyeurism. And we discovered this word scopophilia was this old word that was used like a hundred years ago to describe people that liked, you know, that found joy in watching people. So the event is about watching people. So what we did last year was we set up this, um, you, you know, the back area of the bullet on, you know, if you're coming from the front. <laughs> oh boy, do I know the back area. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And you're coming from the front to the back. And then as there, there was that canopy that was set up on the left uh -huh. side there. So um, we set up like a, uh, like a, like a, like a looking room. Okay. So we got like, so we got this black, you know, black fabric and we cut, you know, hung it from the canopy and we cut like people holes in there and we basically had a show inside you know i can't get too into detail about okay, what happened in okay. there but <laughs> let's just say that the, you know there were things happening in there that you know that happened only at the bullet so <laughs> can i be in one of these shows i i am such an exhibitionist i need to be in that peephole room with you <laughs> well that is well then absolutely you are definitely number you know number one in this in this group i mean you are mr bullet leather 2020 after all so therefore you should be a part of this event, so you need to put that on your calendar. All right. It's on my calendar. Guys, if you want to come to the peephole, <laughs> I'll be there in July, seeing we get through this whole thing. But, uh, wow, that is an awesome idea for a uh, an event. I, I don't know what – how come I didn't know this before? You guys had it last year. Yeah, it was – yeah, it was in August. Um, it was one of those nights where there was like five or six things going on. I think I think there was a foxhole happening um, at the place the foxhole pool parties happens at and uh, on the same night, even. Okay. So yeah, it was very. Uh, it was one of those super highly competitive nights. So um, you could have been anywhere that night. Yeah, I I don't know if I was at the bullet that I would have remembered. Trust me, if I was there. Um, <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah. Wow, that's great. And any other events going on? Well, I mean, once this whole thing is over, I mean, of course, um, second Sunday of every month, um, except June, which is Pride Month, because the second Sunday is all is, is, is oh, there is no Pride this year. That's right, spring was canceled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Typically, typically, the second Sunday of the month, we have our monthly beer bust um, for Onyx okay. um, at the Eagle L.A., um, and then, you know, later in the year, uh, the L.A. Band of Brothers will will do a couple of events um, as well, typically also at the Eagles. So those are the um, events that will be coming up uh, this year, uh, at least with the organizations that I'm part of. All right. All right. Awesome. Uh, last question before we get going. How are you staying kinky in a time like this? And uh, what can other people do to stay kinky when they're at home? Well, I mean, obviously, being being locked up uh, in the house, <laughs> there's a lot that you can't do. I mean, uh -huh. we can't be, you know, we we can't be on Grinder, you know, actually inviting people to our homes right now, um, unfortunately. But we can certainly engage in, you know, a lot of dirty talk. We can, you know, send some videos back and forth. We can dress up in our gear. Yeah, um, right. we can we can we can spank ourselves with our own paddles. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I can vlog myself. I, mean, I have a I have a couple of vlog, I have a couple of vloggers I can get right here. I'm not quite sure I can do that to myself. But <laughs> look, you know what we need to do is we need to have a uh, what did you call your event? Your July event. We need to have a virtual scopophilia is what we need. 
I think that's called Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> well, a special night called Scopophilia Night on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to connect. We'll have to. We'll have to connect with Esteban and, and, and there get you him go. <laughs> on, on here and, and, and get him connected with Zoom, and we can combine his Zoom meetings with Scopophilia. How about that? Yeah, that's what we need to do. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's it. You have anything else to to say before we go? No, I think we rubbed every spot. <laughs> All right. Puck Onyx, everyone. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Right, thanks for having me. Before we go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the Los Angeles Leather Coalition and Bullet Bar Pantry. Proudly sponsored by the Bullet Bar, this branch is for those in need of food, supplies, and or toiletries. If you know anyone or you yourself are in need of some of these supplies, please reach out to Michael Lara directly. I will have a link in the description below. I hope to see all of you at the Leather Talk Zoom parties we have every week upon the release of each episode, typically on Tuesdays. You can find links for that on my Facebook, where you can find me as Brandon Bullet, and on my Instagram page as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet. Until next time, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay kinky. Okay. Oh, 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 oh,